We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling on your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Villato. Tonight, we're here to break down the All-22 coaches film on the Giants' defense in their loss to the Baltimore Ravens in Week 16, a disappointing effort from the defense, their third straight disappointing effort, and hopefully not a sign of trend of things to come. My main takeaway here, and I want to hear your takeaway, but my main takeaway with this game is you got to provide the chef in the kitchen, and that's Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator, someone who we both aren't moving off the spot on. We believe he is the guy. We believe they located an incredible coach, and they found a really good gem of a, of a, of a teacher, of a coach. But you got to give him more ingredients to work with in the kitchen. When you have a game that ends with Isaac Yidem playing 65 snaps of 67 or 66, almost every snap, Tay Crowder playing 57, and I thought both Crowder and Yidem, who we'll get into, had terrible games for the terrible games. And then David Mayo, 44 snaps. It's not it's not going to lead to wins. It's not going to lead to dominant defense. It's going to lead to games like this where the defense can't get off the field. They give up long drives. 
you just those guys can't be on the field i mean tate crowder's a one who i might bend on not gonna break but might bend on because he's fast but i mean the first touchdown of marquise brown he's just sitting in the zone with terrible depth and brown just gets it's like an easy pitch and catch for lamar jackson i don't even know what crowder sees on this play but he's just standing at the goal line in his zone responsibility and doesn't get any depth there and it's an easy touchdown and he had three missed tackles, charted with three missed tackles in this game, or he was started, 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 charted with two missed tackles. Yidem was charted with three missed tackles. That was supposed to be his calling card. But ultimately, that's my main takeaway. And I want to hear what yours is, Nick, but mine is this defense needs a lot more talent. And this is the this is the result of never using a top pick in the first-round pick of the last three drafts on, on defense, of using the 34 in Hernandez, of no trade backs, and instead multiple trades up. So fewer swings on defense via the draft. But... Ultimately, that's my key takeaway. This is just an overmatched defense from a talent standpoint. That that touchdown was more on Yadam. He he carried the post too far into McKinney's zone, and then the crosser kind of went into where Yadam was supposed to be, and McKinney passed him off, and there was no one to pass him off to. I, I would also say Tay Crowder should probably have better better awareness, drop to the depth once he saw Blake Martinez go downhill on J.K. Dobbins. I believe it was Dobbins and not Gus Edwards in the flat. But that's where Tay Crowder was looking. It was Yadam who was supposed to be there but my main takeaway from this game is just it is so difficult to defend the Baltimore Ravens offensive attack in general everything that they do they how they disguise everything how there are misdirections there are RPOs there are different types of zone reads from different types of formations how many times Dan were you watching the film and at the mesh point there are about three or four defenders on the back side of the play all looking at Lamar Jackson to see if he's going to come and then Lamar would hand the football off and there's just no backside pursuit defenders because they're all waiting to see if Lamar Jackson you have to just be so disciplined against the Ravens they're so damn multiple and so damn hard to play against they disguise everything it helps them out in the past it helps them out running the football they do an excellent job pulling linemen to sell run not running having Lamar Jackson do quarterback design runs into those pulling linemen giving the ball off if that backside defender doesn't end up crashing down they just do so many damn things man that's that's my main takeaway is just it's very hard to game plan against this team especially when you have young players or just ineffective players like David Mayo they had David Mayo out there a lot they were playing him at seven technique over the tight end a good amount because the Giants lined up tight the majority of the game they had a nose tackle they had basically a four eye tech and a three tech sometimes two three techniques but they had three down linemen inside of the offensive tackles and then they would put David Mayo to the strength on that tight end basically being a seven technique and then you had another linebacker Carter Coughlin sometimes Camp Brown at other times Jabal Sheard at sometimes on the other side being a backside pursuit defender and you could just see how tight everybody was because the Ravens line up in incredibly tight splits I don't know yeah. if you realize that but there's, their offensive linemen are very, very tight on top of each other. And what that does is that creates a lot of people to kind of get sucked on because if you want to play three technique, you have to be on that outside shoulder of that guard. That's where you're going to be. So everybody's naturally tighter than what do the Ravens do. They're very, very fast. They're very, very athletic. So they stretch you horizontally and they run outside of you. And that's why so many times, how many times were there not a tackle on the field, but it was Lamar Jackson or Gus Edwards or Jacob Dobbins being run out of bounds because they stretched everybody horizontally and they had the speed and athletic ability to do so. Yeah, it's really impressive to see. There was some talk, you know, you shouldn't look at this game as a massive knock on the Giants' defense overall, I don't think, because 
yeah, the Baltimore Ravens offense wasn't playing great football at some point this season, but not at this point. The Giants caught him at a bad time. They're coming off back-to-back 40-point bombings on two other teams, the Browns and some other team. Forgot who. And they would have scored more points in this if Lamar didn't fumble that ball in the red zone, which was going to be another touchdown. And like Nick said, they're hitting their stride. The Giants played them while they were hitting their offensive stride. And they make things really difficult for the opposing defense, mainly because of what Nick said. I mean, you can't... You, you have to respect the possibility of Lamar keeping that ball. So the backside pursuit, which stops a lot of run games in the NFL, a lot of run games are stopped because of backside pursuit. It's not there. And like Nick said, not only is it not there, when you don't have backside pursuit, what Nick said is true. You can then just run to the edge. And you can, like Nick said, that you won't make a tackle. They, you see these plays where there's no tackle and bounds and they just get to the sideline because there's no backside pursuit to take them down or to slow them down by any means. And there were even plays where there could have been bigger gains. I saw one really good tackle by Xavier McKinney where he slowed down a guy who was breaking up this. Uh, I forgot if it was Edwards or Dobbins breaking up the seam on his own read. And if he doesn't make that shoestring tackle, it's a touchdown. There were a lot of plays like that where I feel like the Giants just saved big gash running plays. And that's not because they did a poor job in their run fits or they were just undisciplined to some extent i guess it is but it's also because it's really hard to to figure this running game out here's here's a little uh i guess a way to paint it we do this sometimes dan what is on my piece of paper here what's circled nick has got circled force hesitation that's what the ravens do they force hesitation and that hesitation that split second hesitation of does lamar jackson have the ball does gus edwards have the ball okay gus has it that creates enough time to allow Gus Edwards to gain that much more leverage behind so- solid blocking offensive line up front. It wasn't like the Giants, at least Dalvin Tomlinson, who I don't know why he wasn't necessarily playing nose exclusively like he usually does. They had Dexter Lawrence in that role a lot in this game, and I thought Dexter Lawrence isn't nearly as effective as Dalvin Tomlinson. They were having Dexter Lawrence two-gap as a nose, taking care of both of those A-gaps, and they would even have Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson or B.J. Hill or Austin Johnson or whoever they kind of use their two-gap as well to allow those linebackers to scrape over top and flow. We talked about how the Giants defense like to use a lot of two-gapping principles. They did quite a bit in this game, so the interior of the offensive line, the interior of the defensive line was contained by that defensive line and there were responsibilities, and they executed those to allow those linebackers to kind of get outside and help the secondary players with uh, the incredible playmakers that the Baltimore Ravens have. And it's just, it's insane to me how many things they could do. It really is, because they would do the end around or the touch pass to Devin Duvernay as a little misdirection. They'd bring him across that the That was the play I was referring to. It wasn't yeah. running the running backs. It was Duvernay who nearly housed that. There was, there was two th- plays, I, I believe, that were like that. And they also bring him across the formation and sell that. They show you that like three times, and then they actually hand it off to him. It's just you're always guessing when you're on the defense playing against the Ravens offense. And if there's one key takeaway from that, it's offenses are better with pre-snap motion, a lot of it, and misdirection, something the Giants offense does a little bit of, but probably not enough. And let's be honest, that's another knock on Garrett if we're really being honest about it. And it's something that he needs to improve on, I guess, or it's just something that's not a part of his system because that was a big knock on him from Dallas Cowboys fans and analysts. It was always the knock on him. And when Kellen Moore went in there, came in there last year, that improved dramatically. So the book's out for me there. I mean, it's so I'm sold. But 
as far as this game goes and Patrick Graham and what he was able to do, I felt like, like you said, it's a tough task, but I also just don't like a lot of the ingredients he's working with. I don't want Yidem on this team as the cornerback two next year. I don't really think he can play hold up in man. I think that's obvious by the way they've played him in this defense. And I thought that his tackling has not been as good as advertised. I feel like this game, he, he did not impress me in that regard. Um, and then as far as Crowder goes, just I just don't see it. I don't see. There was some nice hope with him at the beginning of his run with the Giants, but this is a seventh-round pick that I think is starting to look a lot like a seventh-round pick. And in a game like this, like you said, when a running game is this complex and this effective, you need two good inside linebackers on the field, I think, at all times. I really do believe that, two second-level defenders at least. Yeah, and Crowder and Yidem were actually Yidem, somebody who's typically really good in run support. Both those guys had several missed tackles yeah. in this game, and missed tackles is not something that the Giants' right. 2020 defense is known for. But in this game, there were several, and that's because of the misdirections. That because that's because of the those hesitations that don't give the defense an advantageous angle to the ball carrier, and it's because some of these playmakers are just incredible playmakers in space like Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and even Gus Edwards who's more of a physical guy but that physical guy runs through arm tackles. If you don't square him up well, he's going to run through your tackle. I I love running backs that are like that. It's just, that's kind of the story of the game. Another storyline of the game that was upsetting to see after watching the All-22 was the miscommunications in the back end of the secondary. That's something else that we haven't seen all yeah. that much. But the touchdown to Marquise Brown, that was a miscommunication. It seemed like Isaac Yidem didn't necessarily exactly know that there was going to be a crossing route. There's a lack of awareness there. To me, it seemed like Xavier McKinney passed him, sat where he was supposed to be, was going to transition to the breaking post. But Yidem didn't do that. And then on the other touchdown to Des Bryant, James Bradbury passes Des Bryant off to Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan... Uh, takes on another player where Blake Martinez and Jabal Peppers w- was there. He kind of gets sucked into that. So you just saw in that, that that's 14 points right there. And, Bla- and Dez was wide open. Wide open. And that's not on James Bradbury. James Bradbury saw the guy coming into the flat. He sensed it. He passed him off. But Logan Ryan got baited. And that's going to happen sometimes. But you also saw it just throughout the game. Just little communication errors and just... Lamar Jackson picking apart zone coverage. And I know the Giants play top-down defense and it worked a lot, but how many times did Mark Andrews plant himself in an area either right in front of a linebacker or right between two linebackers and was wide open? And it seemed like the linebackers were just thinking so much about all the other threats and options and also spying and watching Lamar Jackson. Where is he going that they lost sights on the routes that were kind of around them? I think that's a great way to describe it, Nick. I think the Ravens actually ran a lot of, like, spaced curls that I hate to see from Jason Garrett but it worked in this game and for a lot of the reasons you just went over because the linebackers had so many responsibilities there was so much mental processing that like you said there were times where Sneed or Andrews they would just sit in these zones and Lamar was able to get him the ball there I thought a key storyline to this game actually was the fact that the Giants just simply didn't force the Ravens into not only many third and long situations many third down situations as you worked your way through this tape how few third downs did the Ravens face? It was incredible what they were able to accomplish on first and second down as an offense. You rarely see in games like this. I can't remember one Giants game even this season that was as egregious as this when it comes to how few third down situations they put Lamar in. And when you look at just third down and long situations that they put Lamar in, it was almost non-existent. I don't know if they had a single third and long. I don't know if the Ravens faced a single third and long this entire game. That may be an exaggeration. I didn't chart this fully. But I bet there's a good chance I'm right. The Ravens were not in a single third and long, let's say seven yards or longer, the entire football game. 
And that just goes to show you the dominance that this Ravens offense had in this football game. And there were a couple third and fours, and the Ravens end up com- completing a pass over the middle through a zone, or Lamar Jackson doesn't like what he sees, and he ends up taking off, and the Giants couldn't really get pressure. They got a couple pressures in this game. I think Leonard Williams had three himself, but Lamar just flows away from it, and he fires the ball either out of bounds or to a receiver who's relatively open. It's a lot of pressure on the back end, especially in zone coverage when you can't get a pass rush with four. And the Giants were sending three some of these times because they want to spy Lamar Jackson. They don't want to allow Lamar Jackson to break contain, and they kept somebody, a linebacker, in as a spy, sometimes a defensive back to do so because you have to match the athletic ability. But (laughs) just watching the game, and my overall takeaway is just, damn, it's very, very hard for defense to game plan against this offense in general especially when Lamar Jackson's clicking yeah and you mentioned how the Giants another storyline for this defense in this game was their inability to create pressure and I want to dive into that a little bit but before we do that let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you the full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA is back in action and football's heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to player and team and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day or every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so in this game, Nick, the Giants finished with four total quarterback hits. They hit Lamar Jackson four times in total. There were two for Dexter Lawrence, one for Jabal Sheard, and then one for Leonard Williams. When you hit a quarterback only four times, can you realistically expect to win a football game? No. It would be very, very tough to come away with 
a victory in, in those kind of settings, especially when you have a quarterback as mobile as Lamar who can just evade everybody in the pocket and then break to the second level and make your defensive backs look silly, which is something that he also did. So it's difficult when you when you don't have a pass rush and the Giants really don't. You don't want to blitz a lot against a team like the Baltimore Ravens because if that blitz doesn't get home, good luck. That's going to be an 80-yard touchdown scamper. So you have to play kind of conservative, a little bit reserved, and you, you can't necessarily do what you really want to do because the offense is so multiple and you just don't know what's coming. You see so many different looks, and you don't necessarily know how to react to it until the play is underway. And how much of a need do you think it is for the Giants to upgrade Edge? I put it up on Twitter the other day as the number one need. Part of the reason I put it up as their number one read need is from a depth standpoint. I feel like you can't count on Lorenzo Carter after an Achilles injury. That's an injury where more than 50% of athletes don't return to their natural athleticism and don't become anywhere near the player they were. I don't think you can count on O'Shane because O'Shane wasn't actually that amazing his rookie season. And then Kyler Fackrell will be a free agent. So... Just from a depth standpoint, I think it's a big deal. But what's been the what's going on right now with the Giants' you know pass rush ability, inability, Leonard Williams a little bit disappearing in recent games, mostly because like you said, he's getting more attention. The Giants are unable to kind of find anyone to operate these stunts with. What do you make of the pass rush and where they go from here? They're gonna have to bring in some talent, and I know we've kind of been talking about that since the inception of this podcast because the Giants have been razor thin at the edge position and I would like to subscribe to that thought process that you go the Patriot way you invest in coverage players and I do think there's merit there but I think you need to add just depth at this edge position maybe even a stud type of player but those guys don't grow on trees and I don't think the Giants should overpay for one of those like a Yannick Ngakwe or something like that either and Yannick looked pretty solid in this game I would say as well but I um I definitely uh think they definitely need to provide assets there because you, you you can't be playing with David Mayo who is a linebacker by trade Cam Brown Carter Coughlin and Nico Lalos as your edge players when you're making a playoff push even albeit in a division like the NFC East you can't expect to win football games like that the depth the what they've done in the position I know there's been injuries but the lack of depth at this position is partially based on the build I mean they didn't they signed one single edge this offseason that was it and so, you know, they obviously signed Nico Lelos as well, if you want to call him an edge. I mean, yeah, he had a nice couple fumble. He was around a couple turnovers in his first few snaps, but he doesn't look like somebody who I think can be an answer for the Giants, in my personal opinion. So we'll see what they do there. It's interesting to see. I thought it was interesting that Julian Love got reduced to 11 snaps in this game. It feels like his role kind of disappeared once James Bradbury was back in the mix. Maybe that's the reason why. I'm unsure of what his future looks like with the Giants. I don't know how you feel there. I think it's more of a Xavier McKinney effect. McKinney starting sure. to get up to speed with this defense and starting to get his beak a little bit wet, and he's your talented second-round pick. He's obviously going to earn those types of snaps. But, yeah, Julian Love, I mean, they used him at slot a little bit, but I didn't see him that much at free safety. That was more Logan Ryan, Jabril Pepper, Xavier McKinney, and those kind of players working in those roles. I, I kind of agree. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with Julian Love. I think Julian Love would be a nice, solid, rotational secondary piece that you can work into the lineup. It, it's definitely he's another one of those 2019 rookie players that we had high hopes for, but now I, I question. I, I do because I'm not 100% sure what lies with him, especially with Logan Ryan locked up long term. 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think, and we'll see if he can make it back for this game, but I think Darnay Holmes is a really big piece this defense has been missing in the last couple of weeks, and he's going to be insanely important for the Giants in a game against the Cowboys, By for, for example. I mean, last week we saw the Eagles try to play man coverage against the Cowboys and those three receivers, and it was an absolute embarrassment their past defense just an absolute embarrassment Dalton lit him up like he was prime Dalton I don't think Dalton ever looked like that good in his entire career as he looked that day um and I don't think the Giants will try that thankfully they're not a man team thank God because they're I mean they'll mix in some man I'm sure but mostly zone but I still think Darnay Holmes is going to be an important piece to be back on the field for the Giants in this game absolutely I misspoke before it was Leonard Williams had five pressures not three but I agree Darnay Holmes he was active in this game and he didn't end up playing any snaps so I guess he was just an emergency active Julian Love kind of assumed that backup role I hope that he is healthy because I do feel like on the low key, no one's really talking about it, but he's had a really solid season. He's shown a lot of progression. I love how hard the kid hits, despite him being barely five foot ten. And I think he's really good in coverage, stays in phase, can operate in space, is a good open field tackler. There's a lot to work with with Darnay Holmes. Yeah, and there's something I think about when I watch a game like this on film, and we've seen this all season, but every time we watch these games, number ninety five and number ninety eight seem to do really well with the few snaps they get. Specifically with 98, Austin Johnson, the Giants were able to sign him for essentially nothing. They're not the only team who signed an impact interior defensive lineman this offseason for essentially nothing. I can't think of many other positions around the NFL where you can just sign someone like that who ends up making a really big impact on a per-snap basis at almost any other position. It doesn't really happen at linebacker. It doesn't really ever happen. It certainly doesn't happen at edge. It certainly doesn't happen at corner. Those are the two it never happens at, the two more high-impact positions doesn't happen at receiver it certainly doesn't happen at offensive tackle really anywhere across the offensive line obviously it doesn't happen at quarterback so when you think about that from like the thirty thousand foot view nick it's kind of goes back to my whole tried and true set in stone roster building strategy that part of the reason the giants are in this position right now where they really do have a bad roster it's i mean the giants are not a good the giants are not do not have a good roster no one can argue that in my opinion they're 14 and 33 under Dave Gettleman. 14 and 33. And they only have five wins this year. And again, one was Burrowless Bengals. Every other one besides Seattle was against their own crappy division. And part of that has a lot to do in my mind with all the amount of assets they've thrown into this interior defensive line. And I think it's a really cautionary tale as they move forward for what can happen when you try to build a roster this way. While I do prefer an inside-out roster build on offense, I no longer think I believe that anymore on defense just because it's so easy to get these interior defensive linemen in the middle rounds like the Ravens have done or the late rounds like the Ravens and those and it's not just the Ravens so many teams have been able to do it and then just guys like Austin Johnson you can get off the wire for nothing and he makes plays every time he's on the field so it just I think it's a really cautionary tale this game to me was a very good example of it. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you. I love the fact the Giants got tough and they do shut down the run. I know a lot of people will point to this game, but I think this game is much more of an outlier. The Giants took away the interior gaps and forced everything outside, and it was really, really tough for David Mayo and players like that to hold the edge. And Tay Crowder. They spilled everything horizontally, which is what the Giants wanted to do, and they relied on guys like Tay Crowder and Isaac Yadam to come up and make big plays against playmakers, and those guys kind of failed to do so consistently. There's one play, though, here where, like I said, Dalvin Tomlinson is the nose tackle here, but we saw Dexter Lawrence play a lot of nose, and second quarter, second and one, 12-20 left, Dexter Lawrence ate the double team in 68-72, and and he gets driven back so far and gets planted on this play. That's something that you'll never see 
from Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah. And I mean, that's I'm a not, leverage thing. I think it, it's a leverage thing. And he tries to set his feet and kind of anchor down, but he just kind of gets out muscled and it's difficult for sure because he gets two guys who are blocking down on both of his shoulders and pushing him back. But I have seen Tomlinson execute this. I, I'm just, I mainly bring it up because I am a little curious as to why Dexter Lawrence played nose and Dalvin Tomlinson was more of the defensive end. Is that because they figured, hey, we're removing the middle of the the middle of the defense anyways, so let's put one of our better run defenders yeah, yeah, outside. So. But then I think Dexter Lawrence has a little bit more athletic ability, a little bit more of a penetrator. Even though he's two-gapping, maybe he could do a better job shedding and, 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 and making plays horizontally or forcing things. But I, it's probably the former, to be honest, that they just thought Dalvin Tomlinson would be a bit better in that situation because he's better with his hands. He's not as raw as Dexter Lawrence. He might not be as athletic, but from a fundamental standpoint, he plays with much better leverage and eats those double teams really, really well, and that allows the the linebackers to work better along the edge, which they figured would probably be the course of action from the Ravens' offense was to attack the edge. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Dallin Thomas, there were a couple reps in this game, man, where, whew, where he just stacked and shedded offensive lineman and looked incredibly efficient doing it yeah Dalvin Tomlinson is a hell of a player it's going to be an interesting decision that this Giants franchise whoever is in charge of it at that point is going to have to make when it comes to Tomlinson and Leonard this offseason I still don't know what they're going to do about that it'll be interesting to see it play out they've already committed a decent amount chunk of change to their defense with their re-signing of Logan Ryan the 30 year old who they gave a three-year what 30 million dollar deal to so we'll see what's left and we'll see what they plan to do there it's very interesting though for sure what did you think you saw, or what did you like that you saw from this game from 24, James Bradbury? First game back, he was only targeted one time in this game, and it went for a six-yard reception. I feel like he was just right back on cue, like he didn't even miss a step. Yeah, I mean, he did not have the COVID-19 virus. He was just a close contact. I think his chiropractor ended up coming down with it, somebody who was off-site of the New York Giants. So, yeah, I mean, he was always seemed like he was in position, was rarely ever targeted, was always on the backside of a lot of plays, and... I mean, he looked quick. He looked quick. He looked he looked like James Bradbury to me. But he didn't yep. have to do the things at the catch point that we've seen him do so many different times. From a scheme standpoint, too, I mean, I thought the Giants played, kind of went back to a lot more of that Tampa 2 robber inverted cover, too. Bring in Logan Ryan or Xavier McKinney, whoever was that free safety, down hard. And that third and four conversion where, uh, where Lamar Jackson found Willie Sneed up the seam. That wasn't inverted cover two. That was that Tampa two robber. Tay Crowder, I have no idea what he's doing on that play. He just does not feel the route concept whatsoever and doesn't seem like he's reading Lamar Jackson's eyes all that well. And the thing about it is though, when you watch the play, like I, I can I look at Tay Crowder and I you see J.K. Dobbins leaking out into the flat and there's another flat defender. But there's there. another flat defender, but for whatever reason, Crowder looks past that and kind of flows a little bit and gets to his spot, and he just I just feel like he doesn't have a good feel at all for the routes. That's how I felt. That's my main takeaway watching Tate Crowder right there. It's the main reason I'm low on Crowder. I feel like he has not a, a very bad feeling zone. And, as, and that's huge if you're going to be a team that plays a lot of zone. Yes, and as for Z- <laughs> Xavier McKinney, I thought Xavier McKinney made a lot of nice plays, but there were a couple times where I saw hesitation, including that right. third and four play. He shows just a little bit of hesitation. He's dropping down as that Tampa 2 robber, and it seems like he... He sees the route, and you see him looking in that direction, 
but he waits for Lamar Jackson to cock his arm back before he like plants and drives. And he drives downhill really, really fast. He looks very, very athletic doing so, and that's definitely encouraging. But there was another rep too, and I don't have the timestamp on it. But he just slightly hesitated. And that slight hesitation is what causes these completions. Then he comes in and he makes a nice hard tackle, which is definitely something that's in his wheelhouse. I still have very, very high expectations for McKinney, and he hasn't done anything to make me think that he won't live up to those expectations. But I had, I did see some hesitation. It could just be him continuing to kind of get acclimated to the NFL. Yeah, I think I'm going to give him a pass. I think it's a mental thing. He needs to get more reps in the system. But one thing I do like is what you said. His, his just The athleticism sometimes jumps off the screen. And especially when he's came, come downhill in the run game, I think he's done a really good job tackling uh, for this defense so far. Yeah, it's insane when you when you put the tape on here and you look at the front that the Ravens have. They're just so tight. The guard yeah. in the center, they're basically right on top of each other. And that just tightens everything up. I mean, this system is so tailor-made for someone like Lamar Jackson. It's literally like a match made in heaven for Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman. Yeah, it really is. And that's why, you know... Yeah, they had a little lull, but they're starting to hit their stride again right in time for when they had to play the Giants. I thought the Giants made a, a nice adjustment in the third quarter, 218 left, but it just didn't end up working out for them whatsoever. And the adjustment was they stayed in their tight front. The Ravens came out with two tight ends to the boundary. And instead of putting David Mayo there, they put Jabal Sheard there as a seven technique over the outside tight end. And the Giants put eight men in the box here. And it is a boundary side run but the tight end seals Jabal Sheard and the second tight end gets to Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder doesn't scrape over the top of that block fast enough to get outside to fill the gap and it ends up being a 25 yard run by J.K. Dobbins but I like the adjustment of putting Jabal Sheard there and not David Mayo because Sheard is a much better run defender I know Patrick Ricard kind of takes him out here but he keeps it tight he allows both those linebackers to potentially scrape over the top Blake Martinez gets picked up by another blocker that's going to happen Tate Crowder is just a bit slow to kind of recognize where the hole is going to be and it ends up being a really large gain yeah that's a great example of a play where, you know, if you just have that better second-level defender in addition to Martinez, it's not just Martinez there, you make a play because if Crowder scrapes over the top there, that's a two-, three-yard gain rather than, what, 25? So big-time play, big-time difference, in some, and, you know, it, it ends up making a big difference in a game like this. It does, and it's, it's unfortunate because we had, like you said before, a lot of high hopes for someone like Tay Crowder, and it just didn't end up... This game, I mean, he had a, he had a bunch of tackles and stuff, but when you put the film on and you, and you see him in his missed tackle opportunities, when you see him kind of missing the hole, when you see him misjudging things, and then when you see him in zone coverage, it just wasn't a, a great look for somebody who was Mr. Irrelevant, and for the first time in the season, he kind of looked like Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, no doubt about it. Another thing about David Mayo, I know he ideally, you don't want him starting where he did, but I kind of want to give him a lot of kudos because you could tell Patrick Graham coached him to take out any lead blocker that was coming in his direction when he was outside because these power gap concepts, what the Ravens love to do, whether it's a handoff or a quarterback design run outside, is they'll pull that backside guard, sometimes the center, depending on who's uncovered, sometimes the backside tackle or an H-back like the Giants do. And David Mayo to his credit, would aggressively fly in and take out the first puller that he could. 
and that allows the other defenders to kind of come in and make tackles. And I thought early on in this game, the Giants actually did a good job keeping everything narrow, keeping everything tight, maintaining their gap discipline. And that's probably one reason why we didn't see a lot of huge runs, but just methodical four-yard runs here because of that forced hesitation that we talked about before. It's just hard to kind of get the beat on where the ball is exactly going. But I thought there were some plays where the Giants did keep things tight and, and was able to contain this offense a bit but it ended up kind of falling apart a little bit down the stretch yeah no doubt about it nick all right that's all we have for on today's show for the all 22 breakdown of the defense stick it lock and loaded for the big blue bander podcast we will be doing a quick reaction to the giants hopefully victory over the dallas cowboys or honestly in my mind if The Washington Redskins or Washington football team. Sorry, I'll make that mistake 22 more times. The Washington football team wins. I'll be rooting for Daniel Jones to throw for 400, but the Giants to lose in overtime personally. Just sorry. That's just how it is. If the Giants aren't making the playoffs, if the playoffs are out of it, I don't want them to come up with a win in that game. I'd rather the draft pick is what it is. Never going to apologize for that and never going to change my mind on that if the playoffs aren't on the line. But hopefully we come to you with something positive after that game. But otherwise, we'll have all 22 breakdown of that game, our final all 22 breakdown of the season, unless the Giants make the playoffs. And then you'll have more of those. Who knows how many we can get. This team can go on a run. And we got big things planned for the offseason, so stick it locked and loaded. Remember, do us a favor. Download, rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at NYBakingBanter. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.